This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome back to the Cherry Pickin' Podcast featuring Andre Cherry Pickin' Cherry, Philadelphia's favorite college football mind. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned in to the Cherry Pickin' Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. What's up, Cherry Picking Podcast listeners? It's Casey Kane, a.k.a. Casey Kid History Callanan, jumping on the microphone for my good buddy, Andre Cherry. I know everyone out here is in quarantine and the mood is a little down. I know Andre and I got a chance to hang out and go to a Flyers game like right before quarantine, so we're always grateful for that. That was real fun, and we didn't really realize how... uh, how good we had it at the time but you know when things can return to normal or somewhat normal or a new normal you know we'll all be really happy and and hopefully really uh grateful to be back in uh in watching live sporting events together hey everyone that voice you just heard was my good friend casey kane thank you for kicking this episode off casey i appreciate that Casey's a good friend of mine. He's been a contributor to the Cherry Picking Podcast before in the past, so I'm always grateful to have Casey on the show. And we're going to have another soundbite from Casey later on in this episode. I asked Casey what his thoughts are on The Last Dance, the documentary on the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls. And Casey, he's a Chicago kid or a Chicago land kid like myself, and I thought it would be really interesting to get his viewpoint on the series. I really enjoyed watching the now four episodes that have come out. And it just helps me relive a part of my childhood that I had very fond memories of. And we'll go ahead and just, I'll dive right in. I mean, because we're talking about it now, but I've really enjoyed the series. I enjoyed the episodes from this past week, episodes three and four, and it really dived into Dennis Rodman. And Dennis Rodman is probably my favorite NBA player of all time. I'm trying to think. He's he's probably one of my favorite players of all time. Yeah. And Jordan, of course, is the legend. He's the GOAT. And you have Scottie Pippen, who is a very great player in his own right. But there was something about Dennis Rodman when he came to the Bulls that really grabbed my attention as a kid. And sure, it may have been his hairstyle and his tie-dye hair haircuts, but something about the way this man played and balled out was something that I really appreciated. I mean, every time Dennis Rodman would play, you knew that he was going to hustle and that he was going to put his all into rebounding and playing defense. And he was really a player that I enjoyed watching, whether it be him diving out into the into the crowd to get a loose ball, and then he would throw it back behind his head. Like Things that he would do just to get a rebound really made me see how much this dude cared i mean because he's putting his body out there sacrificing his body to get loose balls and to get rebounds he's he was one hell of a player and i don't think there's really been anyone like him since he played in the league if i'm being honest nobody nobody has his same style nobody has his same drive i feel like and as a kid i enjoyed seeing that i enjoyed seeing him dive out horizontally into the air to get a loose ball and throw it back over his head to a Chicago Bulls player 
and then they would go in and, and, and end up scoring or dunking. Like this dude was just a baller. And I always wanted to be one of those kids at a Chicago Bulls game to get his jersey after each game. Whether it, him, whether it be him getting kicked out or ejected out of a game, he would throw his jersey off and he would he would throw it to a kid. Or he may have actually done that after every game. I don't. I, I just remember when he would get ejected that he would give his jersey to somebody in the stands, and it usually would be a child. But I always wanted to be that kid to get his jersey. And I've gone to. I, I went to some games as a, as a kid. I, I've seen the Chicago Bulls play in the '90s, but I don't think I ever had an opportunity or came close to getting a Bulls jersey from Dennis Rodman. And the thing about the series that really stuck out to me was that this dude is actually a sweetheart. On the exterior, he seems wild. He seems flamboyant. And I'm not saying that he isn't. But inside, you really see a guy that was an introvert, apparently, from what they're saying. This dude was an introvert. And I can relate to him in some regards. Like I like being with people, but I also enjoy the time that I have at home and, and the time that I have alone because that's when I do my best thinking. There are moments where you know I want to wild out or when I was younger and didn't have a family, I would wild out. I would hang out with my friends. I would you know, party late. Uh, like Dennis Rodman. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm a partier like Dennis Rodman, but you know, sometimes you have to be able to turn it on and off. And for Dennis Rodman, he worked very hard at his job. He, he performed at a high level. He was very efficient at what he did, but then he needed an opportunity to kind of get away and to turn that off and to turn on the party Dennis. And so I really enjoyed watching, I believe at the end of episode three, where the Bulls talk about Dennis Rodman coming to Phil Jackson, coming to Michael Jordan, coming to Scottie Pippen, saying that he needed a vacation. Dennis Rodman had been working really hard. Scottie Pippen had been out for the first part of the season. And so it was Dennis and Michael's team, really. And Dennis was a hustler and he was working hard. And when Scottie came back, they said that Dennis felt like his value went back to being the number three on, on, on the team. And so I don't know if he was just mentally exhausted, but he said he needed a vacation. And so he came to Phil Jackson and he asked for a vacation. And the thing that I appreciate is that Phil Jackson really thought about that request thoughtfully. You know, I think these days uh, an NBA coach would be like, hell no, you're not taking a vacation. If you want a vacation, you do it at the end of the season, but you're not doing it during our time where we're trying to compete for another NBA championship. But maybe the fact that Phil Jackson and the Bulls were already a pretty well-run team, a, a well-oiled machine that they knew Dennis Rodman, that you know they have a certain level of trust there with all the players that they understand each other better than if this is just a, a team that was put together over one summer because people were free agents and you know we're trying to win a championship right now. The Bulls had been together for quite some time. Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan had been on that team together for a while. So they were good leaders and trusted one another. And so I think Phil Jackson trusted Dennis Rodman. He knew that Dennis was a different bird. And so he granted Dennis the opportunity to take a little vacation. And it was funny because in part three of that episode of the documentary series, Michael Jordan was like, listen, Phil, if you let Dennis Rodman go for vacation, we may not see this dude again. But then he was like, if you let him go to Las Vegas, we're definitely not going to see him ever again. And so Phil Jackson said, Dennis, you can go. 
You can get it out of your system. You have 48 hours. Go on your trip. Go on your vacation. So the next scene it cuts it cuts to is Dennis Rodman walking out of the practice uh, facility at the Birdo Center, pounding a beer. And then I think he gets on a motorcycle and drives off to the airport to go to Las Vegas. But he went out and he balled out. He had a good time in Vegas. He was with uh, Carmen Electra, who is still very beautiful. She's 48 years old, and she is still gorgeous. And the crazy thing about Carmen Electra, I don't know how you people listening to this podcast were first introduced to Carmen Electra, but honestly, for me, as a 90s kid, the first time I ever saw Carmen Electra, I think, was on the movie Good Burger, where I think she was Kel's girlfriend, or she was a Klingon for Kel Mitchell. So that was the first time I ever was introduced to Carmen Electra. Didn't know who she was, but as a little kid, she had my interest. I was like, yowzas. And so anyway, she was the arm candy for Dennis Rodman for a long time. Um, I think they got married. And I think he was wearing the wedding dress at that wedding. Like, Dennis is an interesting bird. And anyway, so they're out in Las Vegas partying and... Dennis eventually comes back because Michael Jordan goes out and has to get him back after like 80 some hours, 80 odd hours of him being away. Dennis comes back. And the thing that I really appreciated out of the documentary series was in episode four, Michael Jordan had some comments in regards to that whole event and that whole situation about letting Dennis go vacation for what was supposed to be 48 hours. What I appreciate is that I think Michael and Scotty really truly accepted Dennis for who he was. They got along so well because they wanted to win championships. And that's what Dennis said. That came straight from Dennis Rodman's mouth on that documentary. And so the thing that I appreciated from Michael Jordan was that he said, and I quote, in his psyche, Dennis needed to get away. But in all honesty, Dennis was always there. He was always on point. And so people are different. And so, you know, I can't say that everyone can go experience that level of freedom for 48 hours and then come back and be able to function at a high level in their job, in a high stress job. But for Dennis Rodman, it worked. He could get away for however long it was. He partied hard, but he came back and was ready to work. He was a hard worker. He balled out. There were never any issues with Dennis Rodman as a Chicago Bull. And that was really, really interesting and really a, a credit to the Bulls. Like I said, they they had been together before. They knew how to win. They knew each other. There was a level of trust there that probably, I wouldn't say is unique to the Bulls, but it's unique to their situation. I, I don't know that Dennis Rodman could do that on any other team. Like if he was with the Pacers, could he get, get away for a weekend and party like that? I don't know. But you know, shout out and credit to those guys, Phil, Phil Jackson and the rest of the Bulls that really kept watch over Dennis Rodman. I mean, because this dude was a very unique dude. And I really enjoyed watching the episodes on Dennis Rodman. And I, a buddy of mine, Brandon, uh, he told me that I should check out the 30 for 30 on Dennis Rodman. I heard it was really good. Uh, he says it was really good. I honestly didn't know that they had done a, a series on him for a 30 for 30. So I really should check it out. But I've enjoyed the Last Dance documentary series. Um, I had my buddy Casey Kane give me his thoughts on the series because he's a Chicago kid, a Chicago land kid like myself. So I'm going to go ahead and toss it to Casey and here's his thoughts on the series. 
So I definitely have been checking out the last dance. Is it the last dance or the final dance? I don't know. Who cares? It's the Bulls documentary. I am a 90s kid. I grew up in Chicago area, Chicagoland area during the 90s. And of course, people would get heated if you said you were from Chicago and you were really from Naperville, where we are from, me and Andre. Um, you know, people would be like, you're not from Chicago. Stop saying that. It's just like, relax. You know, it's just easier to say, we're from Chicago. Okay. We're not technically from the city. We're from the burbs. Either way, I am bitter to this day that I never got a chance to see Michael Jordan play. Even though we, we grew up so close to the United Center, I had never, tickets were so expensive. Um, I didn't come from an extremely, you know, wealthy background. Uh, you know, we didn't have a, a ton of disposable income, so we never really got to go to a Bulls game, and it, it it does stink. But on the bright side, looking on the the positive side of growing up in the '90s, we in, in Chicago in the '90s, we got a chance to watch every single game on TV, every single game. You know, sports channel, I think, was the, the channel it was on. And then uh, there was WGN, I think, had some games. So we will watch every single game. This was before, like, satellites. This was before the Internet. It was a big deal back then because we were local. We got to watch every single game. And I can't tell you how many crazy games I watched live. Dennis Rodman headbutt game we were all watching. The neighborhood kids, we all used to get together and watch the Bulls games with our parents and our families. It was really fun. It was a really bonding experience. But one of the funniest memories is my buddy, my neighbor, he had like really strict parents that were like, you know, they were good parents, but they were just like strict. And uh, I remember when Dennis Rodman head-butted the, um, <laughs> the referee, he yelled out, my buddy Bob, he yelled out an expletive. Uh, so he was like cursing in front of his parents and they were like, what, what are you doing? Just fun, man. You know, growing up in the, in the, in the Chicago area during the nineties. And, um, I would say one of my top memories for sure was the Bulls Rodman headbutt game. We were watching live. I was also watching live when Rodman kicked the cameraman. I'm sure they're going to go into that. I hope they go into that. Rodman's behavior was really, really outlandish. And it always gave you a reason to want to be watching live. I think they were playing either the Timberwolves or the Bucks when Rodman kicked the cameraman. And if you've never watched that, definitely go back and check that out. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, I will say my reaction to the first two episodes of the documentary so far is it's awesome. It's definitely meeting and exceeding my expectations. Um, the Scottie Pippen stuff is probably the most interesting thing so far. I will say that I was pretty surprised and I did not remember that they really weren't paying Scottie Pippen like that. And, you know, Pippen comes from this background where he's he grew up very poor and um, had a, a couple people in his household who were um, who were in, in wheelchairs and he had to provide for them. And he had 10 brothers and sisters. And, you know, Pippen grew the game to international stardom. You know, the it, the world loves basketball because of people like Scottie Pippen. And Scottie Pippen could have been a superstar on his own. Him and Jordan were incredible tandem. But, you know, Scottie Pippen deserved way more money. So I think that was probably my number one takeaway from the documentary was, wow, how are you not going to pay Scottie Pippen more money for all he's done for the NBA and all he's done for the game of basketball? The Bulls are the reason, you know, partly the reason why such an international game right now if you look at the nba all-star team it's like it's like a, a really high percentage of foreign-born players and you know that was because of the influence of jordan and pippen 
And uh, certainly the game of basketball has grown so much in China as well because of the influence that Scottie Pippen had. And and so much money was made because of Scottie Pippen. So it's really a shame that they weren't paying him uh, that much back in the day. But I just wanted to give my shout-out to Andre Cherry. hope he's doing good out in uh, quarantine up in Philly. And I hope to see you soon, bud, when things uh, get better. Hope, uh, hope everyone's doing well out there. So those were Casey's thoughts on the series. You know, we both enjoy watching this. We both were Chicago Bulls fans growing up as young kids in the burbs of Chicago. So we've really enjoyed watching this series play out. I know a lot of my friends back home in Chicago are loving this series as well. I don't know if the same can be said for the casual NBA fan or the casual sports fan. But, you know, even if you weren't able to watch that or even if you didn't want to watch that, there was still some sports content for you to enjoy this weekend. And after this real short break, we'll get into that. It's the NFL draft. I'm sure you couldn't avoid it. I mean, even if you wanted to, it was on ABC. It was on ESPN. It was the main ticket this weekend. Were you watching it? I want to know. But I'll be right back taking a short break. Don't go anywhere. I'm coming right back. Are you a member of San Antonio Spurs Nation? If you are, stand up. If you are, stand up. That's right, because this is a bucking Spurs podcast. I am Robert Trejo Jr., your host here at ABSP. And here we're talking all things San Antonio Spurs basketball, baby. We'll talk NBA as well. We'll have occasional guest hosts dropping in from time to time. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Podcast, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast jam on, we are there. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for special Spurs content. And you already know what it is. Go Spurs, go. Want to know what life is really like after the game's all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts join the show. And there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. So the NFL draft was this past Thursday, I think it kicked off. And so it was four days of draft coverage that was broadcast remotely. This was the first year that they've done this virtual broadcast that almost had the same feel as a fantasy football draft that you would do with your friends. I tuned into to a little bit of the first round and then I would watch some of the rest of the drafts. I think for, I think rounds three and four, I saw a little bit of the action. I wasn't as glued into it as I had been growing up as a kid. I used to love the NFL draft. I loved the draft. It was something that I would watch religiously every year. I would even watch the combine combine every single year when I was younger, probably right, uh, right around high school age, uh, in between college years as well. But for me, my interest kind of fell off once they started getting into the whole entertainment side of it now, where it's like a whole event where it's they were going to do it at, at Las Vegas. I saw it in Philly. I've even seen it in Chicago, the little experience center that they do, that, that they've done recently. I think for the last five years, they've done some sort of draft type thing. And while I understand the NFL is trying to make a profit, I mean, this is their product. They have every right 
to try to make as much money as they can out of this. And I think it is a fun a fun time if you know you were an NFL fan, you don't get an opportunity to go to games that much. There's a lot for you to enjoy. I mean, it's like a little almost like a little convention, almost like a little comic con where they've got all the NFL teams represented. They've got different exhibits and different things for you to look at, whether it be the locker rooms of each team, um, some of the old artifacts from the NFL, such as Super Bowl wins, Super Bowl rings. There's a lot of history, a lot of fun things that you can do at the NFL draft. You can even run your own uh, 40-yard dash. Like It's really interactive. It's really cool. And I'm not trying to knock it, but I just feel as if once it got to that point where it's focused on the entertainment value and they're trying to drive a profit, I felt like it lost interest to me personally. The NFL, it's a, it has global appeal. It's the number one sport, the most popular sport in America. And that's I understand that that's cool. But the draft felt really niche. Like It felt like it was appealing to a subset of people that it made it really feel special to me. Because not everyone is into the draft. Not everyone is into watching scouting combines. But during that time of that time period, like in the early 2000s or right around when I was in high school and out of high school, so I'm talking like 05 through maybe 010, it just felt like they weren't as concerned with trying to turn a profit with the NFL draft. So the guys that you would see at the the draft when it was held in New York City at Radio City Music Hall, it would be some of your cheese balls, some of your cheese heads, some of your meatballs of fans. So you're seeing the dudes that really love the Bears, really love the Cowboys. Like you're getting some of the diehard fans at the NFL draft. And so it felt really special because it felt like it wasn't trying to appeal to the masses. It felt like it was trying to appeal to a subset of fan that was really diehard that really lived lived and breathed this sport. And so for me that was when it was the most special as a you know as a consumer of the NFL. That was something that felt like it, it was trying to speak to me specifically. It's fun that they're trying to expose the game to a, a larger audience and they're trying to use the draft as a way to outreach to fans and communities. I mean that's cool and I'm not trying to knock it. I'm just trying to say I'm not really I'm not really as invested in this new product as I was back in the day when I was growing up, like in high school. Um, but nonetheless, this feel, I, I got into it uh, for the most part. It was a very interesting product to have the players at home with their families. And Roger Goodell would be at home in his basement. All the coaches are, you know, in their own various homes. And so that was cool that it was interactive and that it seemingly went off without a hitch. I mean, I don't know if there were any reported problems with the NFL draft this year. There were some delays in terms of uh, audio connections between hosts at ESPN where, you know, there's a little delay. But other than that, I mean, that was a small thing that I'm, I'm pointing out, but it, it seemed like it was a good product. Did you guys watch it? Did you enjoy the draft? I haven't, like I said, I didn't really get a chance to really dive into it this year, but I heard some of the coaches had some crazy setups. I heard something about Bill Belichick's dog. I guess it was a main star of the show, uh, one of the nights of the draft. It was cool seeing Cliff Clingsbury's house. He looks like he's a baller. Stuff like that was cool. I mean, it, it was fun to get something to take our minds off of the current situation. I don't know if we're going to have sports. 
I can't look into a crystal ball and tell you that, oh, we're going to have football in September. But for today or for this past weekend, it was cool to have the draft. And I'm really hopeful that we'll have sports someday soon. But anyways, with that, this was a quick podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you're staying safe and staying sane. Hope you enjoy this podcast. And I can't wait to talk to you again in the future. Please stay safe. Please stay healthy. Take it easy. And I will talk to you very soon. Take care, guys. So that was the first time I ever was introduced to Carmen Electra. Didn't know who she was. But as a little kid, she had my interest. I was like, yowzas. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin'. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.